Michael, this is all very confusing. This is All Markets with Remy Tino and Mike, the podcast where we decrypt and demystify economic, financial, and other investing concepts. Today, we're exploring a word that is used daily in our business and often in everyday life, which is risk. What exactly is risk and how should we view it? If you have any questions, comments, or would like us to discuss your financial situation on the show, email us at comments at onmarkets.com. Also, if you like the show, don't forget to hit the follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. So Tino, you somehow always have a quote for everything, and I'm certain you have one for this. So lay one on us. I got a great one, actually. So Carl Richards, uh, who's a financial columnist of sorts, and he, he also does the behavior gap and a few other things that I think a lot of our listeners will be familiar with. So Carl Richards uh, quoted a, a while back that risk is what's left when you think you've thought of everything else. Love it. Think about that for a second. How awesome is that quote, right? Yeah, I love it. It's pretty deep. Well, it's deep for a, for a couple of reasons. You know, this, this industry that we work in, there's just so many issues with, with it. I mean, think about risk and how we measure risk in financial services. What's the de facto measure? Why don't we define risk first? Yeah. Because I think that's, that's pretty important, actually. The textbook definition of risk is a situation involving exposure to danger. So Tino, what does that mean in regards to the investment world? Well, to me, it means that you're not going to achieve your financial goal or that danger is not getting to where you need to be. You're not going to be able to retire on time. Uh, You can't send your kids to school or or college or whatever that might, whatever your, your goal might be. What I don't view danger to be is volatility or uh, an equity market that hits an air pocket, something that causes markets to spin out of control for a couple of days or a couple of months, but then recovers. That to me is not risk. So what I love about this conversation, this topic is that you can ask 10 people what risk is, and I feel like 10 people will give you a different answer. As I was listening to your answer specifically just now, you're, you're defining risk as not being able to meet your goal or not being able to, to do what, something that you want to do, right? As it relates to the financial market. But what you didn't say was risk is losing your money. And yes, that is a risk and that is probably is the result, but that wasn't how you define the risk. You defined it as losing the opportunity to do what you want to do because you've lost the money. That's so true. Mike? When we have these kinds of conversations uh, during the podcast, I frequently find my mind going to how do I sort of use these kinds of conversations in conversations with clients? It's interesting because clients come in, if we ask them how they feel about risk, if we have a new prospective client come in, and we say, how do you feel about risk? I can tell you about eight out of 10 people are going to say I'm risk averse. It's, it's almost universally the same answer. And if you dig a little bit further, you know, and you ask them what that really means to them, it's, well, we don't want to lose money, like Remy just said, right? I don't want to lose money. Tino, you and I were talking about this not that long ago when you said, you know, are these people risk averse or are they volatility averse? And I started to work that into my conversation with people, right? Are you volatility averse? And people say, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, how do you feel about when the market goes up? Well, that's great. How do you feel about when it goes down? Well, that's what I'm afraid of. And the market does go up and go down all the time. So, you know, it has changed the conversation for me with people to being risk averse to being volatility averse. I don't really think that people have a good handle on what risk averse really means and what risk really means. Well, I think the challenge with risk and the reason why people view it so differently is that you can't measure it. Now, again, 
this industry that we're in uses volatility as a measure of risk because there's nothing else that they can use. And there's got to be a way to measure it and put it into fancy formulas and, and make it as quantitative as possible. But ultimately, volatility and risk are two very, very different things. If you go back to, let's say, the financial crisis, you think about why did so many people lose, not even lose money, why did so many people, why couldn't they retire on time? Why did they, why did they end up having to work as, so many years longer than they needed to? It wasn't because of mortgages, it wasn't because of hedge fund, evil hedge funds, or it wasn't because the banks did whatever. They ended up putting themselves in the situation for one reason and one reason only, they sold. They put themselves in a situation where there was more volatility in the portfolio that they could stomach and they panicked, they couldn't take the pain anymore and they pulled the trigger. And that's the reason why they didn't achieve their financial goals. So it's a very, very tricky thing. And, and Mike, from your perspective, when you talk to these clients, it's very important because even though volatility and risk might not be the same thing, you got to respect it. You got to make sure that you're not putting too much in. Otherwise, people can make bad decisions uh, very quickly. So here's my question. Do the same set of circumstances pose the same risk to you as they do to me based on sort of the way that we perceive it? And, and I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. I had somebody in, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks ago, and the guy told me that he was risk averse. In doing a little more fact finding, I found out that uh, what he's doing with his money is he's making hard money loans. He's literally loaning money to people that cannot get loans any other way for high interest rates. And in his mind, he's risk averse. He's taking no risk. I can't wait to hear this explanation. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. Right? I mean, I thought this is like the riskiest thing you could possibly do, right? It doesn't make any sense. Right. I mean, people that loan money for a living and assess risk professionally will not give these people money. So this guy's <laughs> doing it and perceives it to be low risk. But he knows these people. Most of them are, are doing, you know, house flippers and things like that. He's worked with them in the past. He sort of knows their business model. He understands what they're doing. He's very, very comfortable with it. And he's not been burned. And so from his perspective, he's taking almost no risk and he's getting rewarded pretty handsomely for it. So, you know, I started to think about it. And if, if I did the same thing, if I said to him, okay, I'm going to give you $100,000, make a hard money loan for me. He understands what he's doing. I don't understand what he's doing, really. I mean, not, not the level that he does. Is that a riskier investment for me than it is for him? Does it lower the risk for him because he understands what he's doing and he, and he truly does understand the risks or is he just make him more comfortable with it? I think both. That's a good question. Yeah, I'd say both to a certain degree. There's a, there's a comfort factor maybe, but I think that his, his experience, you know, it's like any other niche asset class or investment out there. You, know, you can, if you look where the outsized returns are and where most of the alpha is generated, it's in these small esoteric asset classes that not many people know how to invest in. His competitive edge, it might be knowing how to assess these house flippers or whatever it may be. Whereas, you know, you or I, uh, I wouldn't have a clue how to how to loan money. So to me, uh, even even if the risk is or isn't higher per se, I would still perceive it as being higher and I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it. So Remy and I actually did this a few years ago. We had a, an acquaintance that was doing some flipping and so forth. And, and the guy had plenty of money. We knew him really well. And he was just fully invested and, and he didn't have liquid cash. You know, we knew him. We knew what he was doing. We had complete faith in this guy and, and didn't really think twice about it and, and did it. And it worked out fine. But again, to me, I was sort of in the same boat as this potential client that I'm talking about is that I knew the situation. I didn't perceive it to be a big risk, although it probably was. Well, again, you can't measure risk, right? It's, there's a subjective component to it. In that particular scenario, I think that the perceived risk that you were measuring was different, right? 
So for the person that you're talking about, he was measuring risk based on what he was doing. And in that particular scenario, he was, I believe, flipping houses or something. I can't remember exactly what he was doing, right? So he yep. was measuring his risk based on flipping houses. But for you and I, that was not where the risk lied, at least not for me. I didn't look at what he was doing. I didn't look at the financials and, and everything surrounding his business. My risk was assessed by my familiarity with him. I knew him as a person. I understood, or at least I had a pretty good idea of the type of risk that he was willing to take on. And I made my decision based on that. So I measured the risk of taking my money and giving it to somebody that I know. And do I believe that this person is smart enough, hardworking enough, invested enough, responsible enough, so on and so forth to get that money back to me? And I felt that he was. In regards to what he was doing with it, you know, I had a general idea, but I really, you know, he could have been doing anything with it. I really don't know. And it didn't really matter to me. What I like about this conversation is that I think generally when people talk about risk, they talk about avoiding risk. And I find, you know, Mike, you were saying earlier that, you know, when we do these these episodes, you tend to think about ways that you can bring them into your conversations with clients and, and that's sort of what you take away from them. And you found yourself doing that over time. What I found myself doing is when we do these episodes, I find that I start to think about things in more of a philosophical manner than I do in a, in a technical or a practical manner. And when I was thinking about this episode, I was thinking about how people always try to avoid risk, but the reality is that risk is inherent to life, right? You can't live without risk because no matter what you do, whether it's an action or an inaction, there is risk involved on both sides of the coin. I don't know why, but I find some comfort in that. I'm not sure if, if that's what you're supposed to take away from it. People tend to say, okay, I'm going to take an action. What is the risk of that action? But what you never really think of is what is the risk if I don't take that action? Because there's risk there too. So it's impossible to avoid it. So I think understanding it is a much better route to take than trying to avoid it. You know, Remy, I'll give you an example right now of risk from inaction. It's going, it's rampant right now across markets and even some of the clients that we, we talk to sitting in cash. And I'm not talking about like the cash you need. I'm talking about excess cash. That to me is inaction. And if you're trying to retire or generate income or whatever it may be, to me, that is far riskier than actually putting that cash to work in some other type of vehicle that can return something above inflation. Why do you think so many people are sitting in cash right now? And why do you think it's riskier? Because cash is perceived as safe, which is a bit of a paradox if you think about what's going on right now. But the idea that cash, you can't lose money. You know, if you have, if you have 100 bucks, it's 100 bucks no matter what. But the reality of the risk involved is that it, you know, inflation and everything else tends to eat that value of $100 a little bit every year. And if you're trying to retire or not outlive your money, whatever it may be, that hurdle rate of inflation or whatever it may be has got to be exceeded. And if it doesn't, then you're losing a little bit every year. So you know what, Tino, you always have these great quotes and I, I want to have one, but I don't have one off the top of my head. So I'm going to coin one right now. <laughs> Maybe you'll use it someday. I hope you do. And I hope I get credit for it. You know, everybody knows the saying, a penny saved is a penny earned. I'm going to just add on to that. A penny saved is a penny earned, but a penny saved is an opportunity lost. Hey, opportunity cost is one of the most important economic concepts that people never seem to get. Listeners, you heard that quote here first. Let's see if it comes back to you someday. I hope it does. <laughs> so that whole thing, though, with, you know, with the opportunity cost and, and inflation risk, no matter how many ways you explain that to people, they don't seem to be able to sort of internalize the reality of it. Holding something in your hand or having cash on hand for some reason seems to trump all reason. I had this conversation with a client not that long ago. She had a bunch of money sitting in cash. 
She had sold a home like a year ago and literally put the money in a checking account and it was still sitting there. It was like five or $600,000. You know, she said that she was risk averse and blah, blah, blah. So in an attempt to come up with some sort of an analogy to explain to her what she was really risking, what I said was, look, you sold your house a year ago for $500,000. And she says, yes. I said, you still have that $500,000. You haven't lost a penny. So in your mind, you've taken no risk, correct? She says, yes. I said, okay, we're in a, a raging real estate market. The house that you sold a year ago for $500,000, if you were to buy it back right now, what does it cost you to buy that house back? She said, I don't know, probably 550000 I said, exactly. So the amount of money that you got selling that house is now insufficient to buy back that same house. You're $50,000 short. You'd have to come up $50,000 out of pocket to be even with where you were a year ago in terms of owning that home. And I was so pleased with myself because I thought it was such a great explanation, but it still, it still didn't, it still didn't connect. It's a perfect explanation. Yeah, no, I thought it was perfect, but it still didn't connect. I mean, she logically sort of said, yeah, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But I still couldn't get her to sort of feel the emotion of, yes, I've lost $50,000 of opportunity or whatever it happens to be. I think it just doesn't feel the same. When you lose something that you've never had, the loss doesn't hurt as much, right? It's harder to conceptualize that and, and internalize that. Here's something else that could be associated with this. I talked to a, a very wealthy individual a couple of years ago, and this individual had almost nine figures in cash. I mean, just a ton of cash. They sold a business and just didn't want to take on any risk. And I was, I did the whole spiel. Look, inflation is going to eat this thing away. This is generational wealth, this and that. And you're going to lose money over time or lose money safely, as I like to say. And his response was interesting. He said, well, that might be the case, but at least I know what I'm losing. I, I, I never really considered that idea before is that there's a certainty in holding cash. Even if you know you're going to lose to inflation, to a certain degree, you know that cash is going to be there no matter what. And his point was that I don't want to risk something certain for something uncertain. Yeah, I'd really be certain that I'm going to lose money. I, I guess that's just emotional comfort. It hasn't. It's there's no logic to it. There's no logic. Plus, I'm not sure you're certain of how much money you're losing, right? I mean, well, there's that too. But yeah, I guess you have a better gauge. But well, I think his point was like, look, if I've got a hundred bucks in my account or hundred million or whatever the number was, that I know that number is going to be there going forward, and and it's not going to change. Now, the value of that, what it could buy might change, but I see that $100 or $100 million in my bank account. I guess that uncertainty, logical or not, absolutely weighs in. And think about this. This is an individual, like I said, who was incredibly successful, very, very smart, and just couldn't overcome their own emotional hurdles in many instances. You know, I, I when I hear that, I also think about something that we talked about a few episodes back though, right? When you, I believe, quoted Warren Buffett saying it's stupid to risk something you need for something you don't need, right? And that's exactly the situation he's in. So in that scenario, the risk to him far outweighed the reward because the reward was nothing. He didn't need anything else. I guess I can see that, you know, it makes sense. But what I do like is that he was able to understand the risk of his action and the risk of his inaction and make a decision. You know, I don't necessarily think that that decision is a good one or a bad one as much as I think it's a well thought out one. Well, we, we assess risk all the time in this business and there's, there's two components to assessing risk, right? It's the ability and the willingness. And if you break those two concepts down, ability is a quantitative, right? It's how much money do you have? Can you take on this risk? Are you going to screw things up? It's very easy to figure out if somebody has the ability to take on whatever risk is on the table. 
the really the challenging part is the willingness, right? Because you might have all the ability in the world, but in this example with this individual I mentioned earlier, they didn't have the willingness. They weren't willing to take it on. And, and for, for us sitting in our seats or anybody that's in this business, the willingness is the hardest part of the, of the business because, I mean, that's a, that's a personal decision. And we can give you risk tolerance questionnaires. We can probe you. We can have you meet with a psychiatrist. It's still not going to be 100% accurate a lot of times. And that's the challenge of investing a lot of times is, is ex- expectations. We see it all the time when clients are upset with us. A lot of times it's because their version of a moderate portfolio is very, very different than ours or their idea rather. Do you know, do you have a psychiatrist on retainer or what? <laughs> I think that would be kind of a nice little add to our to our practices. Bring on a second. It rolled off your tongue as if we have one here. <laughs> no, yeah, I've uh, I've only seen one psychiatrist in my life. Probably a mistake. But I went when I when I got hired, my first job on Wall Street, I had to meet with a psychiatrist. They put me through a psychiatrist interview. Wow, it's crazy. Yeah. Did you walk out with antidepressants? <laughs> well, it's New York City, so everybody has prescription drugs up there. So yeah, didn't even need the prescription. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This podcast is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management, LLC and Darwin Advisors, LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there could be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned herein.